Hey, thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Well, good morning. How are we doing today, Journey? Everybody good? Awesome. How many of y'all get off work Tuesday? That's good stuff, right? Good stuff. Celebration. Hey, so, um, man, l- last week our lead pastor, Bobby, started off in, in probably, I think this is my favorite series, one of my favorite things to talk about is grace, and we, and we call it Grace So Free. Um, so it's, it's all about God's grace on our life. And last week he talked through Adam and Eve and, and a lot of the fall, and he made it all about Jesus. He gave us a definition, a couple of definitions of grace. Grace, if you remember, he pulled out a theology book, right? And he talked about like a vouchment for all this stuff. I can't remember that definition, but he shared my favorite definition I think I've heard about grace. And we're going to kind of talk about that a little bit today is that God changed the rules in the middle of the story to let you off the hook. Man, isn't that good? Like in the middle of the story, he changed the rules so that we could be let off the hook. And Lord knows we need to be let off the hook, don't we? I mean, like if you're messed up, raise your hand. If you didn't raise your hand, you're messed up because you just lied. So there, we're all on the same page today. We're all just messed up people. So today, I want to look today as we talk about grace and grace so free. I want to look at a guy named Abraham and how God's grace kind of played a major role in his life and how that even affects us up until today. Like right now, it affects us today. And so I, I, I want to kind of go back and kind of rehash kind of the beginning of the Bible all the way back in Genesis. I won't, I won't dwell on it too much, but right at the beginning, Adam and Eve, they've sinned, they messed up, they ate the forbidden fruit, right? They messed up. God still gave them a chance. God's the first one that reached out. He said, hey, where are you, right? So God loved them. God showed them grace. And then we kind of fast forward to some stuff about Noah. And we know that God looked on the days of Noah and everybody was just like us. We were doing our own thing, right? Everybody in those days was living their life, doing their own thing. They had forgotten about God. They were living however they wanted to live. And God literally said these words that kind of will break your heart if you think about the God of the universe actually saying this, I'm sorry that I made man. And so Noah and your family, here's what I'm going to do. I want you to build this boat and I want you to get on it and remember that God shut the door, right? And they got on the boat and he wiped off, he wiped humanity out. That's not the kid's story I learned, right? It was prettier than that. And we are reminded all over again that God is also a God of justice, that God has every right because he is God to do all of those things, right? Like he has the right to do it because he's the one who created it all. And he wiped him out and he said, I'm sorry that I made man. And then you fast forward just a little bit more, the Tower of Babel. We're going to read that in just a second. We're going to kind of look at that story. But we get to this point where What we see, though, is that God doesn't wipe all the people out that he promised that never again with the promise of a rainbow, right? I will never again flood the earth like this and wipe everybody out. He begins in the middle of the story to show grace and let us off the hook. And this is what I want all of us to kind of see through this one guy named Abraham, how everything, how God reversed the curse of sin with the amazing 
part of his character called grace. And so as we all know, kids have a way of messing up, right? Hurting themselves, hurting other people. They don't listen to what we tell them to do or not do. Anybody got kids like that? Had kids like that? Yeah, man, they're all over the place. Me too, right? And so I have, my daughters are 18 years. Their twins are 18 years old now. Getting ready to go to college, all that good stuff. But a few years ago, I don't know, it was probably maybe eight years ago. I don't know exactly. But they had two friends over to the house, right? They had two friends over. And this is one of those nights I was like, oh my gosh, make it stop. It's like a sleepover, right? The sleepovers can get crazy because they go crazy. It's almost like they turn into little demons, right? I mean, it's crazy. And so these two girls come over to the house with my daughters. They're having us and we're trying to stay back in the bedroom and kind of let them have their space, you know, let them like take over the living room and enjoy. And, and, but every now and then we have to come out and we have to get something to drink or a snack or whatever. So we're, I'm walking through the house and lo and behold, the hoverboards are out, right? And they're like going 90 miles an hour all around the couch and in the halls, you know, like going crazy. And so the hoverboards are out and each of their friend is on a hoverboard. They're not. And this, the first girl, there's two things that happened that night. The first girl comes flying through and there's this nice big vase right by the front door on the table and it gets knocked down and it breaks. And so we clean that up and in my head, I'm like, oh my gosh, get these demons out of here, you know? And then it gets worse. A little bit later, I'm walking through there and all of a sudden, this is not made up, y'all. All of a sudden, she comes flying through the house, goes to the refrigerator, gets a glass of milk on the hoverboard and just going like 90 miles an hour drinking a glass of milk. And all of a sudden, she gets right beside our brand new couch and she begins to do this on the hoverboard. And she goes crazy and she starts losing control and milk's going in a circle everywhere like a tornado. It's all over the floor. It's all over the new couch. And we're in there scrubbing like, like, okay, I hate sleepovers. We're never having a sleepover again. This is stupid. Like, good grace, right? And then I want to kind of transition, if I could, pretty quickly to the fact that... Um, we're a lot like that sometimes too. That a lot of times the way we act is not very lovable and it's very frustrating. The way we treat each other, the way we aggravate each other, the way we do things can be like that. And I'd love to read right now in this moment as we talk about the milk and the vase and the frustration at what's happening in Genesis 11 verses 1 through 9. And here's what it says, Tower of Babel. You probably know the story, but just to kind of catch up a little bit. It says, At one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. They began saying to each other, Let's make bricks and harden them with fire. In this region, bricks were used instead of stone, the tar used for mortar. Then they said, Come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky, and this will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. Look, 
he said, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do would be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world and they stopped building the city That is why the city was called Babel, because that is where the Lord confused the people with different languages. In this way, he scattered them all over the world. You see, the people had been doing their own thing. God had already wiped a lot of them out. God made a people for himself to be in a relationship with people because he loved people, but the people kept turning away from God. They wanted to build their own kingdom. They wanted to do their own thing. They wanted to be famous. They made it. Does that sound familiar? Sometimes we just make it all about us, don't we? And this is exactly what the people are doing. They wanted to build their kingdom. They decided to turn their back on God. They forgot God. They were doing their own thing, thinking they could build a tower to the heavens together in their own power. And God could have just been done with them, right? Again, he could have wiped them out if he wanted to. But instead, this amazing attribute and character trait of God kicked in called grace. This humbles me to talk about because I even need grace right now as I speak. There's nothing I can do in my own strength. I need God. We need him every single day. And listen to to this quote um, from the Grace of God book by Andy Stanley. He said it this way, and I love this because we a lot of times say, well, why don't God just wipe it out again? Or why? Listen to this quote. This brings it all together for me as we continue to talk. The sin God hates and the humanity he loves are so intertwined that to destroy one is to destroy the other. So God decides to kick in grace from this point forward. What God is going to do is to enact a plan that goes all the way into today and even tomorrow of grace. And I want to kind of point a few things out today as we talk about this guy named Abraham related to our own lives. The first thing is this. God chooses to pour His grace on ordinary, messed up people. Think about Abraham for a minute. He was old. He was an old man. My daughters call me that sometimes now and I hate it. He was an old man. He was a pagan. He was living his life at the time following his own gods. He was just a pagan. Um, Nothing special about him. He had no kids of his own at this point. There's nothing special about Abraham. The people on earth were trying to find blessing in a world without God. And God chose to bring blessing to the world through Abraham and his family. Do you see what's happening? The definition of grace that we heard last week is coming into play. God, God's plan seemingly changes, like Bobby mentioned, in the middle of the story to let people off the hook. The effects of sin are going to be reversed over time and changed by God pouring out grace over and over and over and over. Are y'all following me? And over again. That was God's plan. God was never in a hurry. God was always right there. And He always had a plan. And the grace would change the story over time. 
Now, one of my favorite books in the Bible to talk about is, or to read through and to look at is the book of Mark. And one of the reasons why it's my, probably the reason it's my favorite book to read through is that, and I encourage you to do it whenever you have a chance, is to read through the book of Mark and look at all the times there's a person in the story that God showed grace to or changed or healed or did something with. And all throughout the story, you never hear their name mentioned. Not once. Not one time. Like, let me give you a couple of examples of that. There was like the no-name leper. We never get this, this guy's name. But he was healed, and he was healed, and then he stood up, and he went out, and he started telling everybody because he couldn't contain it. Then there was like the boy, the little boy, right? He had five loaves and two fish. And depending on what version of the Bible you're reading is a little boy or a lad, just a little dude who gave his lunch up and it fed 5,000 people because of the power of God on that little boy's life and using grace as part of the story. Then you have the demon possessed man. God healed the demon possessed man. And he went to 10 towns and proclaimed Jesus, 10 different towns and walked all throughout the town and wanted to make Jesus famous. We don't even have his name. Yet we're still talking about all these people, the woman at the well. What's her name? Who knows? We're still talking about all these people 2,000 years later. You know why? Because God uses ordinary people like me and like you to share his story of grace. God uses ordinary people. I think about people in this very room that I have seen just making a difference for Jesus. Maybe you were at the food pantry. Maybe you were at the men's breakfast leading worship. Maybe you, but the people that just come together and just simply share a testimony about who God is. To see somebody walk one of our guests out after they receive food or clothing or whatever, to walk them out to the car and just simply pray over their life. Sometimes you have no idea what that means to that person. And it's just a reminder that like because of grace, he pours it on ordinary messed up people like us. And he says, I want to use you. As messed up as Tracy is, I want to use him. Man, that's the only hope I got. So Abraham's old. He's a pagan. He's about 100 years old. His wife's 10 years younger than him. And God comes to Abraham and simply says, I'm going to use this guy right here. And all this guy needs to do is put faith in me. All he has to do is believe in what I say. So the second point that I want to kind of throw out there is that God's grace is always one-sided. Wow, that's interesting, right? You want to think through that? Yep, we get grace and then we share grace, but there's no way we would ever be able to understand or know grace apart from God. It's because God's grace in Abraham's life was always one-sided. And if it's okay, I'd love to read some parts of Abraham's story. And it's a lot. Like it's, it's Genesis 12 all the way to like 50, right? So we're not gonna, we don't have time to go through all of that, but I want to point out some highlights of the fact that God's grace on Abraham in these stories is always one-sided. It's always God saying, I will, I'm going to do this, and all you need to do is receive it and respond to it. So let me, let me point out a few of those. Genesis 12, 
verses 1 through 3. Here's what it says. The Lord said to Abraham, now y'all listen with me when it says, I will, or when God says he's going to do something. And I also want you to pay attention to what Abraham's role in all of this is, because it's very amazing to me, the fact that his grace is one-sided. The Lord said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family. So he had to do some stuff and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless you, those who bless you, and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Genesis 12, verse 7. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, I will give you this land. I will give this land to your descendants. And Abraham built an altar there. He responded and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. Genesis 13, verses 14 to 17. After Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, Look as far as you can see in every direction, north and south, east and west. I am giving you all this land as far as you can see to you and your descendants as a permanent possession. And I will give you so many descendants that like the dust of the earth, they cannot be counted. Go and walk through the land in every direction for I am giving it to you. Wow. Grace. One-sided. Genesis 17 verses 1 through 5. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. At this, Abraham fell face down on the ground. He responded in worship. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make, uh, what's more, I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you'll be called Abraham for you will be the father of many nations. Here's Abram. And God's just pointing at him going, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I mean, your, your descendants are going to be like the stars if you can count them. They're going to be so many. There's some that we're all in this room, by the way. It continues, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But it's like the dust of the ground. Like you're not going to be able to count how many particles of dust. Go to, the sand, go to the beach and try to count all the pieces of sand. You're wasting your time. And God, through his grace, says, this is exactly what I'm going to do through you, Abraham, because I'm choosing to pour out my grace on you. And all I ask you to do is have faith and believe me and respond in worship. Wow. It's kind of like he did to me too, though, you know? Like I'm messed up. I'm living my own life. I'm growing up in a Christian family. And, and I start going crazy and rebelling. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting in church one day. And it's like the, the, the preacher, the dude speaking, is not even done talking. And I'm in a puddle of tears. And I'm like, God, why do you love me this much? Yeah, you love me so much. Like, I do nothing except, except what you did on the cross for me. It's one-sided. Once we experience his grace and understand what he did, then we respond to his grace and say, thank you so much. I, and that's what I did that day. I said, I want to live my life for you. I have never seen anything better than the grace of God in my life, ever. I don't know if you can say the same thing, but there's nothing that tops it. What about you? Can you think about times in your life where maybe God lavished his grace on you, like just because? <laughs> think about that. Like really think about that. I'm, I'm going to think about it in my own life just for a minute. I think of how many times 
I think of how many times I've messed up over the years. I'm talking about messed up. I'm talking about straight sin. <laughs> I think about that, man, and how God still wants to use me. I don't get it. I think about all the good people in my life that I couldn't make it without. Can you think about the people in your life? Like, how could you have made it this far without that person or those people? Can't read because my eyes, my allergies are getting to me. <laughs> I think about how blessed I am to be a part of a staff that genuinely loves and serves Jesus and loves each other, and I get to call them friends. I think of the family I grew up in, my mom and dad. And how when I would come home trying to sneak in like they didn't know, right? And one night particularly, I was trying to sneak in from acting like in my BC days before Christ, right? And I'm trying to sneak in and I look down the hall and then my brothers did me wrong because my, my room was right by my parents' room, right? They got to sneak in better than I did. And I look down the hallway and I see both of my parents and I hear them praying specifically for me. I don't deserve any of that. I think about my wife, who I think is so beautiful inside and out. And I get to say that. You probably think that about your wife or your husband sometimes. But I get to say it because I'm up here. <laughs> and I still don't understand why she's with me. It's grace. I think about my twin girls. Y'all, they really do love Jesus. And I don't understand it because they have me as a dad. I really don't get it, but they really do. They really do love Jesus and they serve in the children's ministry and they come home talking about how they're burdened about one of their friends. And I'm like, wow, God, that's grace. That's nothing I did. That's all you. Man, all of what I'm thinking through just in personal ways, and you can think through some of the same things, is the grace of God all my life is the grace of God all around me through other people helping, through other people praying and supporting us over the years. God's grace is so free and God's grace is so amazing, but we don't always choose grace, do we? We don't always choose to receive grace because we think we don't deserve it. And that's right. We don't, but it's free. But another thing we don't always choose is that we don't always choose to give grace a lot, do we? We don't choose to act in grace. So I, I'm going to do something, okay? I'm going to tell a story, and I want you to join me in this story, and I want you to put yourself right in the middle of this story that this is happening to you, and I want you to feel every bit of this story, okay? So imagine that you want a contest, and you got a brand new Corvette, all right? It's your favorite color. Out loud, say your favorite color. Go. All right, it's that color, okay? And then... You park it in your driveway, you wash and wax it at least once a week. Your friends every now and then ask if they can drive it, and you're like, you clean my house, I'll let you drive it. You get something out of it, right? One day you're out washing your vet, and you notice a nine-year-old dude that lives down the street. A couple houses down, it's your neighbor, and he's down the street, and he walks out the front door of his house, and he has the keys to his parents' big old boat of a car, and he starts it up, and you're like, oh, what is going on here? This dude, I ain't never seen him even drive a golf cart. I don't understand what's going on. He can't drive at all. He starts driving down the road towards your house, and he's all over the road. He's already hit the curb twice, right? And he's trying to keep it together, and he barely sees over the steering wheel. And he's swerving. He's hitting stuff. The worst happens. This kid loses control, and he forgets 
the difference between the brake and the gas. And instead of the brake, he floors it on the gas trying to stop. And he's coming, you know it, straight towards your brand new Corvette that you have just cleaned. And he slams into that thing and he pushes it into your garage. And literally this Corvette is done. It's totaled. It's over, right? There's three ways you can deal with this little punk. (laughs) And here's the cool thing. You choose, but all three of these ways are biblical. You ready? First way you can deal with him is justice. You run to the car. The kid's okay. In fact, he's laughing. You grab him by the shirt and you tell him how you feel. You drag him in the house. You call the police. He gets arrested. He's got a record now. You call his parents. You make him work for like 16 years until he pays off your Corvette. That's justice. He gets exactly what he deserves. Nothing less. That's it. He gets what he deserves. Justice means you get everything coming to you. Or... You could choose to respond to this dude in mercy. You still grab him by the shirt. You still tell him how you feel. You still drag him in the house, but you don't call the police. You do, however, call his parents, and and you might even make him pay for some of the damage. That's mercy. Mercy means you don't get some or any of the punishment that you deserve. But the third way that you could deal with this little punk is through grace. You make sure the kid's okay. You help him out of the car. You don't call anybody. You take him inside. Then you tell him, are you okay? You check him for bruises. You check everything else. You give him a hug and you say, let's go get some ice cream. And you tell him you'd like to hang out with him more often. Maybe even figure out a way to replace his parents' car. Grace means you don't get what you deserve. A new car, a new friend, ice cream. This is how God deals with us, y'all. We've royally messed up. We've really, really messed up. Think about all that stuff in your life. We don't have to remind anybody. And God looks at us and he's like, man, I'm going to let you off the hook because of grace. Because I love you so much that grace is an expression of my love for you. Instead of death... We not only get life, but we get love lavished on us by the Father. Not only does He love us, but He works in our lives. He works in the lives of our families and our friends because He wants what's best for us. You're only going to kind of find this, you're only going to find this kind of love in God, this kind of grace in God alone. And the third and last thing I want to kind of point out is that the promise God gave Abraham by grace. If you believe in Jesus today, it has your name on it. The same promise. I'll do it. It's one-sided. I'm going to make you. I'm going to bless you. And because of that, you're going to bless others. And it's going to make a difference. And it's going to change the entire world upside down. Galatians 3, verses 26 and 29. Here's what it said. The promise gave... God gave Abraham by grace has your name on it today. It's the same promise and you get to claim it. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham, what does it say? Belongs to you. God's promise to Abraham, I will make you a great nation. I will do these amazing things in your life. I will let you off the hook. You're going to be a blessing. It falls onto you, to us who believe in the name of Jesus.
That's grace. You Google my name, you ain't going to find much there. You following me? Like I'm not, a, I'm, there's nothing good about me. I'm just like the people in Mark. I'm just like Abram. We're all just kind of normal, messed up, ordinary people. And God says, I love you and you're who I want to use. And it's one-sided. I'll do this. I'll do this. I, God says, I sent my son Jesus to the cross for you, not because you were great, but because you needed grace. And I was the only one that could give it that way. And then we get the promise of Abraham in our life. Like, there's nothing good that you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing bad you can do to make God love you less. God's love for you has nothing to do with you. Isn't that great? I'm so glad. His love for you, it just is. The relationship between God's love and grace is this. His grace is an expression of His love. His unmerited favor is a demonstration of His unconditional love over you and in your life. I want to kind of close with a prayer that I didn't write, but a guy was thinking about the love of God, the grace of God, and he wrote this prayer. And the reason I want to do it word for word is because in my life, I know that this is me. Like I could have written it if I was a good writer because I agree with every single part of this prayer. And I just want to kind of read it as we close. God, I'm glad you don't love me because that's what it's called. God, I'm glad you don't love me because I'm easy to love. I'm not. I'm glad you don't love me because I never take you for granted. I do. I'm glad you don't love me because I accomplish a lot for you. I don't. I'm glad you don't love me because I leave room for you in my schedule. That's the problem. It's my schedule. I'm glad you don't love me because I'm spiritually attractive because I am scarred from head to toe with sin. I am messed up. God, I'm glad you don't love me as long as I talk to you every day. I usually find other ways to use the estimated 25,000 words the average person speaks each day. And God, I'm glad you don't love me as long as I read the letters you wrote to me, the Bible. I'm too busy writing my own, doing my own thing most of the time. God, I'm glad you don't love me as, as long as I obey every commandment because a part of me really does kind of like enjoy breaking rules. I'm glad you don't love me, God, because I meet others' needs all the time. Preoccupation with my own needs eclipses my view of others so many times. God, I'm glad that you love me in spite of me. God, I'm glad you love me aside from who I really am. That you lavish your grace on me. That you throw your love at me and you continue to chase me and you continue to love me and you continue to pursue me and I don't deserve any of it. I'm the little nine-year-old punk that rammed the car. But you still choose to love me and you still choose to show me grace and you still choose to wrap your arms around me anytime I come to you with a need or with needing help. God's love expressed through grace doesn't hinge on your potential. 
It's not prompted by your personality. It's not a wage that depends on your performance. God's love for you, it just is. That's it. That's grace so free. The first song we sang today, I'm just going to read a couple of the lyrics and I'm going to pray. This gets me every time I've, I've read it since yesterday. I could be headed in the wrong direction. There's still goodness there, waiting, running, chasing me down. It's my testimony. You keep blowing my mind every time. Every time I turn around, God, you keep blowing my mind. More goodness every time I turn around. Every time. Because your love is better than life and I can't even wrap my mind around it. It blows me away how much God loves me. God loves you the same way. God loves you so much, and I close, that while we were in our own junk, that while we were still sinners, Romans 5, 8 says, Christ died for us to pay the penalty for our sin so that we don't have to do it. It's the definition that Bobby gave last week. In the middle of the story, he changes it and lets us off the hook. Grace, love. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for how much you love me, for how much you love all of us in here. I pray that you have just reminded us what your grace really does look like. Lord, we don't deserve any of it. We're normal people. We don't have it all together most of the time, but you choose to lavish your love and your grace on us. And you choose us to be your hands and your feet to show others the story of grace, to show others who you are, to make your name great, to make your name famous. Thank you that you use Abraham. Thank you that you want to use us, ordinary people. Thank you for your grace that changes us, that shows us who you really are, how much you really love us. Thank you that the promise of Abraham is ours today even because of the covenant you made and you don't lie. I pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or want to talk to someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.